Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on episode 45 of Podcast Royal, we have a court date, well, kind of, for Prince Andrew. The queen jets off to Sandringham and how much Diana content is too much Diana content. Plus, it's our one-year anniversary this week of Podcast Royal. Join us for episode 45 of Podcast Royal. Welcome back. It's episode 45. It's also our one-year anniversary episode. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Happy anniversary. Uh, How are you? How is your week? What are you into? All of the things. Well, the week is going really well. Um, we have just gone through for for listeners who aren't in our area. We do daylight savings time, so we had that switch over the weekend, and it is super super dark. Um, very early in the evening now, so I'm adjusting to that. It's starting to really feel like the fall season, which kind of leads me into what I'm into this week. Um, for listeners who are outside of the U.S., we have our Thanksgiving holiday later this month. And I have been soaking up all the Thanksgiving recipes online. And Rachel, so we've talked about this before, but um, I, you know, eat gluten-free and this all came from, you know, my my mom was the first one to kind of make that adjustment. And, um, and I do as well. And so we have this awesome, wonderful challenge at Thanksgiving. If you cook regular food, you know, it's actually kind of hard to make Thanksgiving food gluten-free, but I have found some wonderful, um, gluten-free dressing recipes and casserole recipes and desserts. And they're actually really, really good. Um, I found some really good paleo muffins and, uh, I've, I've seen like cinnamon, apple, paleo muffins, and all these really great recipes. So I'm into healthy Thanksgiving recipes this week and, um, I love cooking. And so I can't wait to get into the kitchen this fall and, um, and try some new recipes out. What are you into? (laughs) Again, not, not healthy food. Another week, (laughs) another week, another unhealthy meat. So we were just talking offline. So I think listeners by now, you know, that I am in my third week back full-time in the office, which means that I have to wear real clothes and not yoga pants. And I've gained some weight in this old COVID. I lost some weight and then I gained it, um, gained it back and uh, not fully to where I was, but not, uh, my clothes are tight. And so I need to get some of your uh, health food recipes. Have you test driven the, the dressing? by the way? Uh, well, I actually made it last year. Um, okay. So, you know, it, it can take a while to find, you know, really the right recipes, but once you find a good recipe, you stick with it. Um, and I For think sure. it's, we are, I want to say a couple of years right now with a really good, like, 
paleo, oh, I don't know if it, is it paleo? It might be paleo, green bean casserole. It's gluten-free and it is delicious. Um, so it takes a little while to find the right recipe, but once you do, you tuck that away and reuse it every year. Green bean casserole is probably my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Yes, it's I love so it. so good. Okay, so as for what I'm into this week, there is a new Diana podcast I discovered. It just has the trailer out, no episode one yet, at least not since I checked earlier today, but I am already compelled. It is from CNN, who is also behind the six-part Diana docuseries that is currently airing and that I'm loving. And the podcast is called When Diana Met, dot, dot, dot. So it will, according to the show notes, take listeners inside Princess Diana's most notable meetings with public figures, politicians, dignitaries, and celebrities to reveal often overlooked truths and misunderstandings about her life as Princess of Wales. So host Aminatau Sao, I hope I'm saying that correctly, examines those iconic and memorable connections and what they teach us about power gender and control. So I'm excited for this. Like I said, no episode one yet, but according to the show notes, it's going to be a good show. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I've not heard of that. And I know everyone's wanting to know what I thought about Spencer and we, you know, that we are going to get into that, but give us a minute. So, okay. The Royal Rundown segment one, my gosh, we have so much news to cover this week, but before we go any further, happy one year anniversary to podcast Royal. One year, ago, <laughs> one year ago, can I tell you something embarrassing? Yeah, I have a bottle. <laughs> I have a, I have plenty of these embarrassing stories. Don't worry. Um, I have a bottle of champagne sitting on my dining room table right now. And I stood there for 15 minutes after getting home from work. I'm kind of exhausted and I couldn't figure out how to open the dang thing. So I just said, forget it. But I was going to cheers with some champagne, but this is like one of those with the, um, it's like Fort Knox to get into this thing. I don't like, it's not my normal Andre extra try cheap oh, champagne. I can, I think I can walk you through that after, after we record. We'll, okay. Well, it's one uh, we of those Swiss things. It's one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Can I, can I just share a little interesting knowledge if I'm remembering sure. this correctly? So several weeks ago, I was telling everybody on the podcast about another podcast that I liked that talks about etiquette. Yeah. What were you raised by wolves or something like that? Yeah. I love that podcast. And they actually have an episode on the proper way to open a bottle of champagne and the little metal cage they were saying on the champagne. Yeah. um, All of those are, you know, they're all the same. So they take six twists to get the cage loosened if I'm remembering that correctly telling you you guys should go listen to this podcast because I've learned quite a lot um but I'm pretty sure I can take that knowledge and (laughs) because I really feel like getting drunk tonight I'm not going to be honest or I am going to be honest with you I'm not going to I that was a portmanteau of I'm not going to lie to you and I'm going to be honest with you I am going to be honest with you I wanted to get a little drunk tonight um (laughs) maybe not while we're recording but definitely later so um nothing like a Tuesday night but anyway So one year ago on Saturday, November 14th, 2020, we stepped into your walk-in closet and recorded episode zero and episode one of the show. So some inside baseball, 
episode zero is like a minute long and it took us like more than an hour to record that do you remember that um yeah there was so much laughter and honestly (laughs) just like nervousness it's so weird (laughs) and then episode one which is over an hour took us one take so I can't tell you how many different times we recorded episode zero but what have been some of your favorite moments of doing the show over over the past year So, you know, I was actually just thinking about how much I enjoyed some of the games and quizzes we've done on the podcast. And do more of those. Yeah, I really miss those. And so I I made a note to bring some back. So I'll do that in some upcoming episodes. We'll play some fun games. Um, And then, you know, I've really just enjoyed all of the guests we've had on the show, I feel like everyone we've met has been genuinely kind and wonderful to work with on the podcast. And, and I have to admit, I'm still sort of just surprised that we've, we've interviewed <laughs> some big names like, I mean, Robert Lacey, Andrew Morton, Chris Jackson. It's been a successful year. And I think we've learned so much about oh, podcasting yeah. and we've just had fun doing it. So, you know, that's that's what I'm remembering. Well, for me, number one will always be growing our friendship. We talked for so long before we actually started the show about doing a podcast. And now here we are. I think it took us like almost a year to just pull the plug and do it and take the leap. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, so I I just want to reflect on how amazing this year has been. We were named one of the top 10 royal podcast globally by the UK's the evening standard I remember facetiming you and us both being like is this a mistake (laughs) how do they know (laughs) how do they know like you're like you haven't seen this yet and I'm like no I don't just google our podcast (laughs) I was googling myself and that's how I found it and I was like this can't be real but there we were right alongside um every royal podcast we love even Archwell Audio um we have been in the top 200 podcasts on Apple Podcast history category that was unbelievable we have interviewed yeah. Robert Lacey, Andrew Morton, Chris Jackson, Victoria Murphy, Michelle Tauber, Lauren Cochran. We've made new friends like Tea and a Buddy in your royal closet. We've started a Royal Reads book club. We deliver royal news every week. And I think we set ourselves apart by delivering lifestyle content and focusing on not just the British royal family, but royal families around the world. We have had our name in the British tabloids so much that I'd just like to reiterate, I am Rachel Birchfield. That is Jessica Robinson. There is nobody named Jessica Birchfield. That person does not exist. Okay, has that happened? Yes, that (laughs) happens a lot. Uh, Rachel and Jessica, Rachel Birchfield, Jessica Robinson. There is no person named Jessica Birchfield. Um, So I I genuinely don't, I genuinely don't pay attention to our mentions and I mean that's probably for the best um (laughs) I'm not so sure how I feel about it but anyway most of all we've delivered 45 episodes that I'm really proud of and there wouldn't be here's a sappy moment typical me there wouldn't be anyone else I'd rather be on this journey with than you I love our slice uh pizza dates where we go and get pizza and talk about the royals and so cheers to us I'll figure out how to open the dang champagne bottle (laughs) later but cheers proverbial cheers to us um I'll have my champagne later tonight because it just feels right just feels yeah 
cheers. And I appreciate your recap of the last year. And I 100% agree. It has been a lot of fun growing our friendship and taking this journey together. Um, it's, you know, it's always fun to do something like this with someone uh, by your side. So I definitely appreciate that. And you've continued to um, just show up and this podcast wouldn't be what it is without you. So same for you. Same for you. So um, it's it's been great. Yeah, it really is born. This podcast was born of a friendship. We'd been friends for years when we started this. And I, I think, and I hope that listeners can feel that. So, um, and speaking of listeners, first of all, before we go on to the news, I wanted to close a loop from last week's episode. So thank you to our super fan, Rachel, for reaching out via our DMs and pointing us to a BuzzFeed article that explains the origin of the bot sentinel report that we talked about last week. So the article said the impetus for the investigation came after he, who is Christopher Boozy, or it's B-O-U-Z-Y, who is the founder of Bot Sentinel, after he shared a positive tweet about the Sussexes that resulted in him personally receiving hateful messages from anti-Megan accounts. Then after it was announced that Bot Sentinel would be launching an investigation into anti-Sussex accounts on Twitter, he became the target of a full-fledged harassment campaign, unlike anything he or his team had experienced before. Absolutely disgusting, but good intel. So thank you, Rachel, for that. Yeah, Um, that is really interesting insight into that story that we were both looking for. So I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, Rachel. Okay. So update on her majesty. Last week, the queen took a helicopter to Sandringham, which was cleared by her doctors. She flew from Windsor Castle and it was just a weekend jaunt. She's already back at Windsor Castle. I personally am happy the queen got to get out of the house for a moment, even if the house quote unquote is Windsor Castle. Um, Interesting timing, by the way, although I'm sure the two are in no way related Spencer, the movie came out this weekend and it is set at Sandringham. I'm a hundred percent positive. Those two things have no (laughs) correlation. Um, The queen typically never goes to Sandringham this early, though she will be expected to be there next month for the annual Christmas holiday. So any thoughts on this? Yeah, I kind of feel like she was probably ready to get out of the house. You know, I mean, she still can't do official engagements for a few more days as advised by her doctors, but she is so strong and independent. And I think she is going to find a way to get out and get some fresh air. And I'm thinking, you know, even if your house is Windsor Castle, she has been running those halls for decades. So, you know, I think especially now with Prince Philip gone, even a castle can feel lonely and empty sometimes. And, you know, I'm glad she has staff that, um, you know, that would help her get out and and go escape to Sandringham for the weekend. I was laughing because I was imagining her um, in the helicopter with the corgis. Like, I, I really hope the corgis <laughs> have to go to Sandringham. Oh, you know, they did. They go every. There's only three now. So they're everywhere with her for sure. Um, yeah, I am fully expecting to see her this this upcoming weekend is uh, we know we won't see her at Festival of Remembrance on Saturday, but I hope we will see her at Remembrance Sunday because I know that that event means a lot to her. Mm -hmm. So, okay, big news on the Prince Andrew front. U.S. District Court Judge Lewis Kaplan has said that Andrew's trial will take place sometime between September 2022 and December 2022. 
so I guess we are in this story for the long haul. Um, not that it's really possible for any royal follower to have forgotten, but Andrew is charged with for forcing, for I cannot speak tonight, forcing Virginia Roberts Jufri to have sex with him three separate times between 1999 and 2002 including when she was under the age of 18. Of course, Andrew has denied these allegations vehemently. Each side will have witnesses, as most court cases do. Uh, and Andrew's ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson, and daughters, Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie, might be on the list, though that's certainly not confirmed as of yet. So I guess it's true the legal process moves incredibly slow, huh? Definitely. You know, that seems so far away, but I'm sitting here thinking between Andrew's trial and Prince Harry's book release, the fall of 2022 seems to be shaping up to be pretty newsworthy for the Royals, although I'm not sure it's really the type of news they desire. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it will well, be really about interesting. The Platinum Jubilee over the summer. Right, right. Yeah. And I think it will be interesting if, if Fergie or either one of his daughters do have to be a witness. I know they are probably not looking forward to that. And I feel really bad that they have to go through that. And, you know, just it's just a reminder to everyone, you know, stay away from bad crowds, whether he is guilty or not. It just doesn't look good, you know, when you get involved in those types of situations and, you know, the money and the power just they're just bad, you know, at the end of yeah. the day. So, and I hate that it's had to come into this where his family's getting dragged into it as well. Um, so, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens, but yeah, definitely a long process for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be another year of, of um, preparing for that. And so we are in this for the long haul. So last week, right before we started recording, Harry and Meghan announced that they will work to reach net zero carbon emissions within the next 10 years. This marks the first time any royal has undertaken this type of pledge. So what does this mean exactly? This means making more mindful, environmentally conscious choices every day, lessening their carbon footprint over time. And since some carbon emissions are inevitable, like for example, flying on a plane, making up for the difference through environmental projects so that the balance eventually equals zero is what they're trying to do. And okay, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this. Last week, Megan took her advocacy for paid family leave to the telephone, reaching out to US senators like Susan Collins of Maine and Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia to ask them to support the issue. So Moore Capito re received a call from a blocked number and as she puts it, honestly, I thought it was Senator Joe Manchin. His calls come in blocked, okay, random. But Manchin, a Democrat, is her fellow senator from West Virginia. And she goes, Senator Capito? And I said, yes. And she said, this is Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. I couldn't figure out how she got my number. It turns out Senator Kristen Gillibrand of New York staff gave out the numbers, which included Senator Collins. Senator Collins told Politico, I was happy to talk with her but I'm more interested in what the people of Maine are telling me about it. Much to my surprise, she called me on my private line and she introduced herself as the Duchess of Sussex, which is kind of ironic. Jessica, you said your, 
you said that yourself a couple of weeks ago. So um, anyway, Megan, according to Senator Gillibrand, will be a part of a working group working towards paid family leave for all. So I have to say, well, I do think this is such a boss move and such a power move, and I kind of love it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to introduce yourself as Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, which is a British royal family title, while calling and advocating to U.S. senators. I'm sure you have thoughts on this too. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like a repeat of, of my comments when we talked about this last time, I don't think it, it just doesn't look good to appeal to U.S. politicians and leveraging your royal title from a foreign country. Um, I, I just think that's kind of odd. Um, and honestly, I was kind of surprised how this was executed. You know, you and I are both professionals and when we want someone's time to discuss something really important, we notify them ahead of time and we schedule a call, you know, so yeah. people aren't caught off guard. So I, I kind of feel like that was poorly planned both on Megan's part and, um, and was it Gillibrand that she, that she coordinated yeah. to get the numbers? Um, yeah. So, I mean, really on, on both of their parts and in, uh, you know, I, I think it was, let's see, did you say it was Senator Collins that she called and spoke to? And more, you um, know, yeah, you know, I mean, and they're, they're right. Like their constituents are, those are the people that they should be serving and, and listening to and caring about. So that, that makes sense to me that they would maybe be a little bit caught off guard and confused. Um, and, and I think yeah. their, their constituents do take priority in that situation, but I don't know. I kind of feel like, um, if, if she was handing out phone numbers to Megan, they would have coordinated those calls a little bit better but well so I think those two got calls unannounced and then after that I think that Gillibrand staffer who I don't know who I don't know the name of that staffer um warned people ahead of time I mean by then it had been all over the news so people you know knew that it could happen but I I don't I think that there's some uh culpability on the part of Gillibrand staffer that's that's I mean maybe she was just really starstruck by the star power that is Megan but that is a breach of confidentiality to give a senator's cell phone number that you have privileged access to to anyone that's lobbying or advocating I just I feel like that that feels a little I, I understand look I completely support paid leave for all I've said that but it felt a little bit ambushy a bit. Yeah, I, you know, I don't even think I picked up on that when you were talking that it was a member of her staff. Yeah, um, it wasn't Senator Gillibrand, it was a staffer. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting twist as well. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, I don't know, you know, we don't know what happened. We don't know if, if the senator talked to her staff and asked her to do it or if Megan just called a number and someone picked up and said oh here's the you know here's their numbers I don't know um that's yeah if that staffer can give out that privileged information what else can that staffer give out so um I don't know that just there's I I think that there was a better way to do that without and, and you know I wonder what it all accomplished and in, in the in other it, it grabbed headlines so maybe that was the point but um, today, Megan participated in the New York Times 20th anniversary of DealBook, which is, for those that don't know, a gathering of icons in business policy and culture to take stock of our rapidly evolving world. So Megan was in person in New York City in the Minding the Gap, which I think is like a super 
interesting name for their segment because of course minding the gap is is a very british statement right um and yet it also applies to pay parity so anyway um the Mining the Gap segment of the summit, which was a conversation with Melody Hobson, who is co-CEO and president of Ariel Investments. So Melody and Megan discussed how women can reach economic and professional parity, top-down solutions, and they also reflected on how their shared experiences influenced their thinking about creating opportunities for others. So interviewing the duo was Andrew Ross Sorgan, who's one of my favorites. He's a, he's a brilliant writer. He asked Megan actually about her recent calls to U.S. senators campaigning for paid leave, paid family leave. And uh, though typically, as we've said on the show before, members of the British royal family stay out of politics for Megan, she said this was a humanitarian issue, not a political one. She said, quote, we can all agree that people need support, especially when they've had a child. Paid leave, from my point of view, is a humanitarian issue. So, you know, I have to comment on what she's wearing. This is not to be reductive. It's just because I thought she looked beautiful. She wore an all black ensemble. She wore a poppy pin. Did you see this? Did you see a picture of her today? No, I haven't seen it yet. I, um, this, did this just come out today? Yes, it happened this afternoon. And so she wore a poppy pin, which, you know, we see always at uh, Remember It's Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a flower that has been used since 1921 to commemorate military members who have died in war in the UK. Um, as we've mentioned a couple of times, this weekend is Remembrance Sunday. The Festival of Remembrance is on Saturday. The royal family always participates in those events. So um, the importance of standing up for humanitarian issues has been a long-held belief for the Duchess of Sussex, who recounted at the summit, this is, I thought this is kind of adorable, selling homemade scrunchies when she was a little girl. Um, and I, I like this quote. She said, when my life and lifestyle were very different, I always stood up for what was right, she said. So um, I liked this conversation too. They, they talked about the word ambition. Megan called it a trigger word. And she talked about the double standard that exists between men with ambition and women with ambition. I've seen this in my own career and I agree with what she said. She said, why are we equipping girls and women to think that if you're ambitious, there's something wrong with that? If a boy or a man is described as ambitious, that's an incredibly positive thing culturally. Um, At one point, Andrew Ross Sorkin asked Megan how she was doing, and she said that she's feeling much better about everything, which I was happy to hear, and that even though conversations like the one today are a small step in the right direction, there's still a step in the right direction Nonetheless, she said in 10 years time, it might be a different version of the same conversation, but hopefully a different version in the right direction. So any thoughts on Megan's comments about ambition? Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, candid thoughts here because I have not have not seen this yet or really looked into it, but I'd like to, I guess you mentioned you've experienced that in your career, and I'd like to hear about that because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, in, in my lifetime in our Western modern culture, I really don't feel like I can recall a time when, you know, women haven't been encouraged to be ambitious or, or that ambition is viewed as a negative when it relates to women. I mean, I think, you know, I think we can argue women, women face different challenges than men in our careers, in our lives. Um, And I'm not saying that women have never had challenges, whether it's related to, you know, whatever workplace, 
career ambitions, um, various opportunities. But I would say in the past 50 years or more, I think we've made huge strides toward empowering women and equipping them with the tools that they need to be successful. And, And I feel like I've always been encouraged to do that. And I think seems like Megan always has been encouraged to do that. She's done very well for herself. So I don't know if that's totally fair to say. And, and I just saw a study recently that said more women are graduating college than men today. For every 100 women getting a college degree, only 74 men do. So oh, wow. I, I don't that's know. I mean, well, I think well, we, you know, we've seen, okay. Well, well, I was going to say, I think we've seen, you know, uh, an abundance of, of support networks for women only pop up in women's leadership conferences and groups. And I feel like so much has been um, done to, to really support women and being ambitious in their careers. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, I really don't know that we see the same kind of thing for men. I, I'm not saying that, that they don't have their own resources, but um I just feel like we've made a lot of progress. Uh, I don't disagree with that. And on the whole, you know, I'm, I'm a really ambitious person. I mean, like, I think that that might be in like the top five adjectives someone would use to describe me. In fact, I, I need to learn how to slow down, but on the whole, I've been supported by the right people. There have been a couple of wrong people on my career journey that, and I don't know if it's because I was a woman or just because they didn't, you know, want ambitious people pushing them to do better and be better but I mean there have been there have been stops on my journey where my ambition maybe wasn't as um wasn't as as welcomed as I wanted it to be um but I agree I mean I think on the whole we're doing a lot better but I will say when it comes to pay parity I, and I'm not speaking about myself personally on this, but on the whole, I think we can do better in that regard. And they talked about that too. You need to watch this because it's 30 minutes and they talked about a lot of things. I'm just hitting the major highlights here, but it was an interesting conversation. Um, She looked happy and healthy and confident and uh, she's very articulate and well-spoken and has, you know, she's so intelligent and has a lot to say. So um, I would encourage you to check in all of our listeners to check it out. I'm sure that it's somewhere on the New York Times website. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And I, I do, you know, I mean, I agree. I think we've all sort of experienced different people, you know, in our lives that maybe didn't support all of our ambitions. But I would say as a whole, I think, you know, society has has done a lot in that regard. And people have really worked hard to, to close those gaps. Um, and I think, I think we are light years ahead in that regard than what we were, you know, 50 years ago. So um, there's a lot we could get into there in the nitty gritty. And when we talk about details there, but that was my initial take from it is, you know, I think, I think a lot has been done and I, I do want to recognize the effort that, that people have made to, um, to really focus on that. We're getting there for sure, but there's still a couple stragglers and I think those, those are the people that she was speaking to. And, um, you know, I just don't ever want for any girl or boy or anybody for ambition to be a dirty word, you know, go out there, chase your dreams. Um, and, and I just, I thought the conversation was really interesting. So, um, we'll talk more about this next week. We've got a full slate of things to talk about already, but, um, Megan is in New York city for that event. So is Harry. Harry has an event, 
on Wednesday, which is the day this episode comes out, he will take part in the Salute for Freedom Gala for the Intrepid Museum's inaugural awards, where he will present the Intrepid Valor Awards to veterans and military families living with the invisible wounds of war. So we'll talk more about that next week because it hasn't happened yet. And I want to be able to recap it. And we're recording this on Tuesday night. So without further ado, uh, my take on Spencer, are you ready for this? <laughs> Let's go. So I really missed you not being there. You were out of town, but thank you to my other Jessica BFF, Jessica D for going with me. It was actually the first movie I've seen in a theater since pre-COVID. So that was weird. It was weird to walk in there with a mask and have to reserve our seats, but it, it was, it was fine. But okay. So I'm going to go on a soapbox here. So are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, deep breath. So here's the thing. Spencer is not just a movie. It is an experience. It First of all, it's shot beautifully. Pablo Lorraine did a beautiful job. Kristen Stewart, as was advertised, absolutely nails this part. Hey, let, let's jump in here really quick. If you said this, I apologize, but are we giving any spoilers just so our listeners know? I mean... Probably, but I mean, how can you spoil? History? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I just alert. Charles alert. and Diana got a divorce. Like, that's like. Right, right, right. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. If any listeners like did want to go in totally blind on what to expect, just so they yeah, know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It, okay, so I'm going to say some stuff. So if you, listeners, if you want to, well, I mean, I've been saying this and you haven't seen it yet. Shall I go on? I really, I really want to talk a little bit about this, but um, listeners, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to go in there completely blind, you might want to fast forward like two or three minutes. So there you go. Good point. Good point. So, okay. Um, Kristen Stewart nails it. She, her voice sounds hauntingly like the late princess of Wales. Um, I I really do have so much to say. I'm going to try to not give too many spoilers away, but I think it is important to remember that as the opening credits of the movie state that Spencer is a fable, like underscore fable based on a true tragedy. That's the, that's the card that comes out or the, um, the words that come up as the movie starts. So what I am most worried about is that people will view this film and think it is a totally true to life depiction in a completely accurate retelling of this particular 1991 Christmas at Sandringham. It's not like underscore, underscore, underscore. Um, I think Diana detractors are all ready to quick, quick to put the typical she's crazy label on Diana as society does on so many women that dare to be different. But to my knowledge, for example, um, Diana never had any hallucinations of Anne Boleyn while at Sandringham, that happens, or she didn't cut her arm with wire cutters that I'm aware of, or she didn't eat a pearl from her pearl necklace that fell in her soup while wow. at Christmas Eve dinner, or she didn't step in front of a firing squad on Boxing Day. All of these things happen in the movie. So I just need listeners in the general public to hear me when I say this. Spencer was a good film, but it's not completely historically accurate and it should not be treated as such. So, um, however, the movie does accurately capture how ill-suited Diana was to fit into the royal family. 
um, her willingness by 1991, 10 years into her marriage, to break the strict rules and protocol, which we touched on last episode, and just how different she was from the royal family. Um, Something striking that I noticed was that on the labels her dresser brings for her clothes, they are labeled POW for Princess of Wales, but really while at Sandringham, it feels like Diana is a prisoner of war in the other sense um, of POW. So Diana shows up at Sandringham on Christmas Eve. She's forced to partake in this ridiculous, if you ask me, tradition that is a true tradition. I did not know this of weighing in upon arrival (laughs) seriously with the expectation that the food at Sandringham is so good that you'll gain three pounds upon departure. (laughs) Uh, This is a real tradition. And uh, (laughs) as we know, there's no time in the family steeped in more tradition than Christmas at Sandringham. So the movie crosses through three days, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. Um, I want everyone to see the movie, so I'm not going to give everything away, but this movie is Diana essentially deciding to leave her marriage to Charles. It shows the deep depths of her despair at this time in her life. It shows her reclaiming her Spencer family name, including visiting her childhood home of Park House, which has been abandoned and is dilapidated. It shows her, a lot of this movie centers around food, and it shows her struggling mightily with bulimia, including a few vomit scenes, uh, forewarning, trigger warning there. Um, It shows her incredible gift of being a fantastic mother. I think those are my favorite scenes of her with William and Harry. It shows her desire to raise William and Harry as more relatable royals, even taking them to KFC um, and blasting pop music in the car. It also shows how profoundly Charles and Camilla's affair affected her and how suffocating royal life can be. By the way, uh, another thing that I don't think is true to life is when they went to Christmas Day Church at Sandringham, Camilla was there. I don't think that ever happens. Like that just that just seems like too like just too icky bold (laughs) yeah yeah um so bottom line go see the movie but take it with a grain of salt that it is entertainment and not bound in total truth and I have to say this and I never thought I would say this word on podcast royal but um the line in the movie about masturbation which anybody who's seen the movie remembers uh, was totally unnecessary and just added in for shock value. And I hated it. Diana would never have said that to a member of the staff. So, um, however, on a happier note, Kristen Stewart really does deserve an Oscar. So see the movie. Um, it, it <laughs> have I just blown your mind? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here, you know, thinking about taking someone to see this movie who isn't a close royal follower and how oh, that could be God, a I wouldn't do that. movie for people. Yeah, I mean, I went with a friend who is a, a, a diehard royal follower as well, and we literally walked out of the theater in stunned silence like we didn't have we were like we're gonna have to process this for a few days and I saw the movie on Friday night it's now Tuesday and I'm only just now like talking about it for the first time it was it was um it was weird it was a weird film it was it was good the acting was good the cinematography was beautiful but the writing just I mean it's it's just it's not 
it's not as historically accurate as the crown we'll just put it that way um i would still see it i feel like it's a cultural moment but it's a lot it's heavy it's a lot to take in it's like two hours of watching a woman struggle mightily it's a lot wow so i want to close this conversation with asking a question which is rhetorical but also not how much diana content is too much diana content in 2021 we didn't let her live in life now we're not letting her die in death so in addition to spencer we've got the upcoming season of the crown which features diana heavily the CNN six-part docu-series that I'm super into, the podcast I mentioned at the top of the show, Diana the Musical. Now, I mean, I'm hypocritical for saying this. Let me state unequivocally that I have been and will continue watching all of this content, but knowing all the way that the ending of the story never changes, right? Um, so when will enough be enough of Diana? I mean, that is kind of a rhetorical question, but feel free to take it if you'd like. It's just starting to feel like we're as obsessed with her in 2021 as we were when she was alive. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a good point. And I was sitting here thinking when you were talking, I love these um, remembrances of her, like the statue unveiling that William and Harry did. And I love the anthropology line that came out that really just highlights her style. And, you know, I think those are really great reminders of her this year. Um, But some of the entertainment that we've seen, like what I just said about the movie, I think, um, can be really misleading for people and, and people start to have sort of a, um, an understanding of her that is completely inaccurate. So I would agree. I think, um, I think we've got a lot of content and, um, I'll leave your question to be rhetorical, but it does raise a lot of question about, um, you know, how much, yeah. Well, and I read a great piece on L and it was called, I can't remember what it was called, but in the headline was the Diana cinematic universe, which is playing off of the Marvel cinematic universe. And it's true. Like there's, it's just, there's a lot out there right now. And look, I'm gobbling it up like candy. Okay. Like I can't get enough of it. I'm eagerly awaiting season five of the crown. Um, some late kind of late breaking news here. Um, one of Diana's friends was a consultant on the crown and apparently she just quit because they were portraying Diana so falsely according to her that it was offensive and she quit yeah did you hear about that Mm -hmm. and so um I don't I mean and like I just have what I if if listeners hear nothing else I just need listeners and everyone to know that they have made a woman who was probably struggling with anxiety and depression. Now she's having like hallucinations and um, you know, it's just, that's like, that's a, that's pretty serious to allege that someone has a mental illness that they don't. And so that is where my head. Huh? And they can't defend themselves. Yeah. They can't defend themselves. And And people will walk into that movie thinking this is an accurate retelling that Diana was really having hallucinations of Anne Boleyn. And that's not true. Like, it's not true. And you can put the the scene in the movie all you want saying this is a fable, this is a fable, but 
people will believe what they want to believe and it's just that's it's pretty um pretty damaging to her reputation um and and pretty disturbing so um i i will definitely be interested to see what you think of the movie when you see it um there were there were some moments where i was honestly so taken by the movie because it was so beautiful then there were also moments where I was so disgusted by the movie that I just wanted to stand up and say that didn't really happen but I didn't want to get thrown out of the theater so I didn't (laughs) um okay well this is an awkward transition but happy birthday this week to Charles (laughs) who I just spent uh some time watching Spencer and really disliking him again um he turns 74 on November 14th We know all about him, but we know much less about another royal with a birthday this week. And this birthday is of quite a big significance. Lady Louise Windsor turned 18 on November 18th. So why this matters, other than happy birthday, Louise, like every birthday matters. But the big debate is whether now that she's 18, if Lady Louise will take on a royal title or not, which is her choice once she reaches this milestone age. So every grandchild of Her Majesty is afforded an HRH title um, per the letters patent of 1917, but Louise has never used her HRH title, nor has she used her princess title. She goes by Lady Louise, which is the correct title for the daughter of an Earl. And of course her daughter is, or her daughter, her father is Earl of Wessex, Prince Edward. So, really Louise is going to have to make a choice now and I I don't know if she'll make it like imminently or when but pretty much the decision is is she going to choose a life as a royal or is she going to choose life as more of a Zara Tyndall situation so do you have any thoughts on this it's a really good question you know I'm not sure obviously because I have not talk to her um you haven't why didn't you call her for her birthday I know I meant to call her no um I you know part of me thinks that she will want to take a royal title I think um we've seen Sophie and Edward step up um you know recently and really be in the public more taking on engagements and they seem to be doing a really good job at that um so it wouldn't surprise me if she decided she wanted to take a royal title uh, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I could see it going both ways. What do you think? I think she's going to do it. I think she is. I think that she is going to, um, you know, her, her mother, Sophie is one of my favorite Royals. She's an unsung hero in the family. Um, she doesn't ask for much attention. She just gets the work done. And I think that we could see Louise be like that as well. I, I definitely think that she will do some royal work I don't I I just I really don't know um but I I know that she is incredibly close to her grandmother she was incredibly close to her grandfather um who passed obviously passed away in April and I think that um I think she if I were a betting woman I would say she's going to especially with all the shifting changes in the family lately and people leaving and um whether by choice or by force I think I think she might I think she might well it'll be interesting to see what happens I think I think she's one to watch I I would agree I think she'll I definitely see her you know focusing in the next 
handful of years on her education um, Mm -hmm. and and being ambitious in in that regard. Um, But I do, I I won't be surprised if she takes on a royal title and and does some work um, in in that aspect as well. So we'll see. I think that could be really good um, for the royal family for her to, to start doing some positive work like her parents. Absolutely. Okay, so before I hand the reins over to you, really brief segment to royals around the world. So some words I've hoped to say for a while. Princess Charlene is home in Monaco. Uh, she landed at 8.30 a.m. on Monday in Nice after an overnight flight from South Africa. There to greet her was husband Prince Albert and their six-year-old twins, Prince Jacques and Princess Gabriella, who met her with a large bouquet of flowers before they all helicoptered back home to Monaco. Also, I read today that the twins got a new dog. So they get their mom home and they get a new dog. They're having the best week ever. Yeah, I saw that news and I love to hear that. That's so sweet. You know, we talked last week about how she tragically just lost her own dog. Um, so I think having them all united again and um, and a new little furry puppy to join the family is really great news and it's right here in time for the holidays so good for them animals make everything better they do they really do well I'm going to hand it over to you so last year we did a royally inspired holiday gift guide but this year I hear that you have some gifts especially for the men in our lives yeah, so I wanted to kind of, you know, do this. We, we've had a pretty heavy news week this week. We've got a lot going on, and I think we'll, we'll continue to have a lot going on in the next few weeks. But I want to do some short little segments at the end uh, to sprinkle in a little bit of inspiration for your holiday gift guide. So I've got a few ideas here for the men in our listeners' lives, um, it, you know, for our, for our women listeners. Now, if you are a male listener, maybe you can add these things to your own list. So um, a couple of ideas here, and we'll just hop right in and get started. So the first item on our Royal Men's Gift Guide is the Aura Ring. And I actually got this from People Magazine. They had some gift recommendations, and they pointed out that Prince Harry has been seen wearing this, like, uh, high-tech sort of fitness ring. I don't know what brand he has, but, um, you know, we've all seen Prince Harry showing off his fitness on the Late Late Show with James Corden. We know he spent <laughs> a lot of time in the military, so it's really no surprise that he prioritizes his health. Um, and according to People Magazine, he's been seen sporting this uh, fitness ring that kind of tracks his activity levels. So um, People recommends the Aura Ring, which I've actually heard before. But I did a little research on it. Uh, This ring provides a 360 overview of your health. So basically, you know, you charge the ring, it syncs up with an app on your phone, and it tracks your heart rate, your body temperature, your sleep cycles, your blood oxygen levels, and more uh, to really help you better understand your daily health. Um, It's water resistant, it's lightweight, um, it has a battery life that lasts several days, um, potentially up to a week. So a really great gift idea for a guy. It's just a really simple band. I think you can get it in tones like gold or black or silver. Um, and it retails for right at $300. So oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, for everything that it does, a really nice gift, um, you know, for, for the man in your life, especially if he's into fitness. 
yeah that's really cool i wish i could get i i don't have a fitbit or anything like that um and i would love to get a more clear picture of my daily health like that yeah i had a fitbit several years ago and they you know i I don't wear it anymore. And they've gotten so high tech now they have really good options, um, on those as well. And, and I, they probably, I mean, you can get those for even cheaper than 300. That's a good idea. The ring though. Yeah. All right. So the next item on our list is, you know, we've, we've all seen our Royal men wearing that classic pullover sweater. <laughs> um, so the next item on the list is a pullover sweater from Lyle and Scott. Um, this is a UK brand that makes these really great looking classic styles for men, um, including the sweater. So this particular brand I actually saw called out by GQ as a brand that will make your man look and feel dapper as they called it. Um, so if you want your man to look like a prince, go with a UK brand pullover. Um, so we've seen Prince William wearing pullover sweaters with like the collared button up shirt underneath. Um, and Wills himself has actually been seen wearing this brand. And now they make everything from jackets to button up shirts to sweaters. Uh, so I'm going to recommend going with the merino cotton crew neck pullover sweater in a classic color like navy or burgundy. The sweater goes for just under $90. Um, but if your guy isn't into crew necks, you could try the quarter zip merino mix pullover, which goes for just under $110. So also not a bad price tag for a nice Christmas gift for a guy. Um, do you like the, the sweater with the collared shirt, Rachel? Yes. And I'm just sitting here thinking of how attractive it is when a man dresses well. And for some reason, a man in a button down is like <laughs> the ultimate for me. That is I I totally agree. And I have to admit, I really like men in like winter attire, like yeah. that. Yeah. And the quarter zip sweaters and, you know, yes. and the pullovers. Oh, uh, for some reason, a man in a button down is kryptonite to me. Like <laughs> it is, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something about that is just a, a crisp button down is so sexy. Yeah, and we see the Royals, both Harry and William, they do the button down a lot and they'll tuck them in and they go without the tie. Um, yeah, without the tie. The I don't want the tie. No tie. Button down with the blazer looks so great. And then oh, I'm wearing yes. that pullover sweater really does. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. So it's just a thing. <laughs> it's kind of my, it's kind of my Achilles heel. All right, so our next item on the gift list is some leather goods from, and I hope I'm saying this right, Edinger London. Uh, this brand was also called out by GQ as a brand loved by the Royals, especially Prince Charles, who likes the brand. So I checked out their website and they have really nice quality leather goods. They've got everything from wallets to belts. Um, so for a few... Uh, I guess, gift ideas, they, they had a couple of options, but I would say go with the leather square valet tray, which is like the square shaped pebble leather catch-all tray. You know, it's really going to hold whatever your man might need to take off at the end of a long day when he's changing into more casual clothes. So he could lay, you know, loose change in the valet, his watch, his keys, any other items he might be carrying around that he doesn't want to lose. And they're also a really great way to protect your furniture from getting scratched from all those loose items. Um, so the leather valet 
at Edinger London retails for just over 140 and it is stamped with the Edinger London logo on the bottom. It's really pretty, really nice quality. It's a little pricey, but um, but it's definitely something that will last and will look really nice on his dresser. Uh, but they also have other items. If you want to do something different, they've got flasks, they've got passport covers, um, just really great small leather goods. So a great option. Now, you know, again, these are some UK brands we're mentioning. So you may want to order early if you're, you're looking at something like that. Yeah, you better order like tonight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the supply chain issues. Right. So the next item on our list is the, and I, I'm going to try to say this right too, but the Life Trope 21 inch spinner luggage from Bricks. So the media, you know, they're always keeping their eye out for the Royals when they travel, even when they're hopping on and off the plane. And there was one particular trip that the Cambridges took and the cameras captured staff transporting all of their luggage. They had, um, you know, the um, garment bags, they had jewelry boxes, they had rolling bags. And there was one rolling bag in particular that belonged to the Cambridges. And from the tags on the luggage, they believe it's the piece that both William and Kate share. Um, but the features on the luggage are very classic. Um, it's this Bricks brand, which is an Italian brand. Um, and I think overall, the, the luggage itself, this particular piece, does look pretty masculine. So I think it would be great if you have a man in your life who's a jet setter, he likes to travel. Um, it is this particular model, the 21 inch. Um, the website says it holds about one to two days worth of clothes. So really great for like a weekend trip. It's not super huge, um, but it, um, like I said, it's an Italian brand. This particular model, the it's the Life Trope 21 inch spinner. Um, it's made of pebbled suede and trimmed in Tuscan leather. And the Cambridges had the olive green color. So really pretty. It's a little pricey. It retails um, for right at around $370. Um, so, you know, I mean, you, you could always you could always take inspiration from this list and find cheaper luggage that kind of resembles this. But if you do want to go with a really nice Italian brand luggage, that's the one we've seen the Cambridges use. Well, classic luggage never goes out of style. And unless you literally travel all the time and your luggage just gets torn to shreds because you're on a plane all the time, you can have that. That's an investment piece. You know, you can have that for. Right. And I was just thinking like upgrading your luggage is so important because I don't know about you, but I've been using the same luggage for a while and mine don't even have the spinner wheels. It has like the old school wheels and the, yeah. you know, like the canvas outside yeah. and it's pretty heavy and they make luggage now that's so lightweight and easy to, you know, to move around. So, you know, I don't know. I think this one on the website, it does say the weight and everything on there. So if you want to check that before you buy it, if you want something more lightweight, um, you know, double check all of that, but, um, it's a nice classic looking piece of luggage. So to your point, you know, it'll last a long time. And if you haven't upgraded in a while, maybe it's time to do that. Yeah. I'm looking at my, my suitcase that I've literally had for at least 15 years and the, um, zippers have fallen, the main zippers have fallen off. And so I just like use the little nubs and it's sad. So maybe I need to invest. <laughs> 
All right, so the last thing on our men's gift guide is a Fulton console umbrella in black. And we've actually mentioned this brand on the podcast before. Um, it, the Fulton brand does have a royal appointment by the queen, um, and they've got some really great looking umbrellas that I'm sure are awesome quality if the queen likes them. Um, you know, we've seen her majesty. She likes to carry the clear umbrellas so the crowds can see her in public. Um, but they do have black umbrellas that look really great. And, and they've got a guy model and they're carrying the, the umbrella on the website. Um, really nice men's umbrella. And I think every guy needs a good quality umbrella. I don't know about you, Rachel, but I sort of feel like men need the bigger substantial umbrellas rather yeah. than like the small retractable ones that we always have in our purse and they always break. Um, I, I love a really nice big umbrella for a guy. What do you think? Yes. Men need large umbrellas so that they can be gentlemen and chivalrous. And I know that this, our conversation sounds archaic, but I don't care. I'm old fashioned. <laughs> Dang it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I want him to put me under his umbrella with him and hold the umbrella. Well, it's funny you say that because I did note that this particular model, it's the Fulton console umbrella in black. It is large and the website says it opens up to just over 41 inches in span. So you can get two people under that umbrella. Um, It's big enough for both. And um, it also has a really nice rounded I think it's Malacca wooden handle. Um, so just really functional and stylish, great quality. Um, it costs right at $65, which I also think that that's, you know, a reasonable price for a good quality umbrella that you're going to use for a long time, especially if you're giving it as a gift. So yeah. And all like a lot of these pieces that you're mentioning are, are investment pieces. Like, yeah, maybe you'll spend a little bit more money on the front end, but it's a quality piece and you'll have it forever. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's a gift. So, um, that's it. That wraps up our, our short little men's guide. So we'll sprinkle some more of these out throughout the rest of the do. That was good. Good. I hope, um, I hope at least listeners took some inspiration from this. Of course, none of this is uh, sponsored or anything. So, you know, oh, I not, wish we were getting, you know, not, not pushing products, <laughs> just sharing research. Yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, is no, this is no spawn con. Um, like I said, I wish we were, <laughs> if any of those brands would like to sponsor podcast Royal, um, let me tell you how to get in touch with us. But before I do, um, that was, that was really good. Um, it's, it, it's hard for me to believe that it's mid November now and, oh that um, like I've just finished making our family's um, Thanksgiving and Christmas plans. And it just feels like really impossible that 2021 is coming to a close. I, I truly feel like we just started 2021. So do I, it's flying by. And it, well, in one year ago, we were in your walk-in closet. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still amazed. It's been a year. It's been a wonderful year. And, you know, we would be wrong to not thank our listeners for being on this journey with us thank you and thank you to all of our guests and um all of the people that have have made this possible we're having a great time so absolutely well anything else before we wrap I think that was it for me. It just, I'll repeat what you said again. Thank you to our wonderful listeners. We really, really appreciate you being here. 
maybe for our second year of life, we'll actually post on our Instagram because I just realized we haven't done that in a really long time. So yeah, every week I, every week I tell people to follow us on Instagram, but like we never post things on there, but well, I, got we do- locked out of, I got locked out of our account. So I'll have to get back in. <laughs> I know it's, it's actually all on me right now and I'm miserably failing, but we do answer every single DM and we check, I check the DMs you know, every day, but, um, we got to get the content back up there. So anyway, if you want to follow us on Instagram, I don't know what you'll see right now, but hopefully we'll change that soon at podcast Royal, email us at hello podcast Royal at gmail.com and follow rate and review the show. We appreciate you. Cheers to year two. And thank you all for being here for episode 45. We will be back next week with uh, what I'm sure will be more heavy hitting royal news. But let us know what you thought of Spencer, if you've seen it. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. So thank you for being here. Bye. Bye.